Hey everybody. Yes, welcome back to the Paid Church Podcast. My name is Jason Rothman. As always, I'm joined by the great Chris Schaefer. Chris, how's it going today? Yep, it's the Paid Church Podcast. Uh, this is us. Welcome. We're uh, two guys just scratching our way through the world of Google Ads. And we have a flashlight on our goal, right? And we're describing the hole that we're digging. So you guys can follow along with us. It's a confusing, unmapped territory out there. You need guides. We're here with you. That's what this is. If that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for two guys digging a tunnel to the center of the geographic perfectness of a Google Ads campaign, boom, you found it. That's us, Jason Rothman and Chris Schaefer, two independent success stories coming together for the pinnacle of success. Welcome to the Paid Search Podcast. I like that. I like that, Chris. Mm. I've got a five-star review to read. We're going to do a big, big uh, Q&A today. Um, and a big announcement. we got five-star reviews. We have big announcements. Amazing questions, amazing answers. Chris, this uh, this five-star review is very, very uh, a strong one. So I'm going to let you go ahead, and then we're going to jump into our review and episode. Okay. Oh, I go ahead with the most important part is to tell you guys on your journey to the center of perfection of a Google Ads campaign, you forgot your pickaxe. You forgot your hiking boots. Uh, you're going to need some tools, right? And in order to get there, we're going to recommend our favorite tool, our sponsor that keeps this show going. It helps support this show, optio.com slash PSP2. It is the digital tool specifically built for Google Ads to help you get more done in Google Ads. Now, I talk about it all the time. They've been supporting the show for a long time. I talk to people constantly that are using the tool, tried it out for free, and they really like it. And what's special about this tool, if you haven't tried it, um, is that it's designed specifically to help you work smarter in Google Ads, right? Let's say you're new to Google Ads and you need help. You need help making decisions about what to change, what to look at. This is the tool for you. Let's say you're highly uh, versed in Google Ads. You're an expert in it and you're working freelance. You have uh, 15 clients and you need to work smarter and faster. Maybe you can get to 16, 17. You can, you can build and work uh, faster and smarter on those 15 and grow your clients optio.com slash PSP2. This is the tool for literally everybody. It's designed uh, in a very specific way to help you get more done. So please check it out. And we're going to tell you optio.com slash PSP2 because when you go to their site with that URL, it communicates that you're coming from the Paid Search Podcast and you get a special deal. Use a little chat box at the bottom. Say, hey, can I get a eight-week free trial? eight full weeks. That's two cycles, two reporting cycles for you to help grind through those client campaigns for two months. Use that to get that special access exclusively available through the Paid Search Podcast. Thanks, Chris. Um, Here we are, episode number 228, but we've done more than that. There's been special episodes. There's been different things we've done, and uh, we're years and years, and Chris, the years just 
they fly by. We're, we're, oh, yeah. We're going, we will come up on year five pretty wow. soon, which is crazy to say. Yeah. But uh, we have a lot of a lot of five star reviews. Speaking of five on um, on Apple Podcasts, those really help when you do that, including just clicking the stars, rating the podcast. We appreciate that. Uh, shares the show with more people. This review of the week comes in from Ed. Five stars. Don't have an oh, must be United States of America. Looking at Apple Podcasts here, mine because I'm in the United States of America and I love the United States of America. A must for any paid search pro. It's easy to become jaded with all the online marketing gurus willing to self-promote through podcasts, but this mm. is something different. Wow. I think people are getting that if they're a first-time listener to today's episode. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they heard the episode we tried to record before this one. It was... <laughs> jaded. Whew, we were a little rusty there. Uh, Jason and Chris are truly experts in the field. Uh, watch a handful of YouTube videos on Google Ads and then listen and follow along with this podcast, including past episodes. And you're probably going to know more than... Most highly paid pros in this industry. Wow. I wish there were a comparable podcast in other areas like SEO and social media. This is a standout show worthy of recognition. Thanks for putting this together every week, guys. Well, hey, Ed. Wow. Thanks for that review. Thanks for taking the time to leave that review. It helps out. And uh, so all we're trying to do here is just uh, we work all week on Google Ads and we just share what's going on. That's a big compliment to say that if you listen to this show you'll know and be educated about more than most professionals in the industry. That's a huge compliment. Boy, I like that. That's good to know. I agree with that. Now, one thing, people love our show. They love hearing our voices. Some love it when we fight. Others get a little uncomfortable when (laughs) mom and dad fight. And uh, they write in and say, hey, be nice, guys. But we haven't done that in in a few months. We kind of got it out of our system a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have some pent up rage? No, I don't. Release on me. I don't. I was just thinking the emails that we get is usually Jason, be nice to Chris, not hey guys, be nice. It's Jason, be nice to Chris. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'd agree with that. I don't know. But um, Chris, they love the audio. They love uh, listening to the show. And I would agree with that review. If you listen to the show every week, you will know more than probably most professionals in this industry. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, but. How do you take what you hear on this show and transition that into actually being able to do it in the accounts and being mm. able to be familiar with doing these strategies and techniques in the account? That's always been the missing piece of the show, the visual, the video. Yep. Well, that all changes now. Boom. On Patreon, we have a new tier, a new level, and every week we're going to be producing videos about Google ads, primarily done by Chris. I'll be in some of them, uh, but he's a video master there. And it's just going to be a compliment to this show. Sometimes we'll do some videos on what we talked about during the week, uh, during the show that week. Other times we'll do just other uh, topics that come up. But the idea is to get better at Google ads, and we're going to do that with video. And along with video in that tier, new video every single week, We're going to be doing a once a month meetup, a live kind of video chat thing with me and Chris. We're going to get on there live, answer your questions, talk about what's going on, and just kind of hang out once a month. So that's a new tier, Chris. A lot on your shoulders here. Uh, I'm kind of doing the uh, logistics. You're doing the the videos, uh, at least to start very heavily, and uh, I'm excited to see what you got. Yeah. Hey, I'm... 
I, I, I enjoy it, and I already have a free one out there. Uh, if you're on the Patreon uh, at all, then you can have access to my very first one, which I've already gotten some comments about people who were you know, saying I was blown away by just some of the simple little uh, tricks that you showed. And I did like a quick little seven-minute video, and uh, people are already liking it. And that was the free stuff. Right, I got good stuff in in store. So yeah. yeah, perfect example. We'll do this video eventually. Is um, we did the lazy man build, new concept yes. we came up with, new concept we developed over years, uh, just kind of getting to that perfect kind of quick build that actually is effective for the long term growth of a campaign. Talked about it conceptually, but how do you actually do it? Well, now we can do a video showing you how it's done in in minutes. So that's a perfect example of what we're going to be doing. And then once a month, we'll get on the meetup for. A little bit of live Q&A. So you can go to paidsearchpodcast.com. There's a, there's a link over to our Patreon page um, and you can sign up there. So with that said, Chris, you want to take the first one or you want me to take the first one? Yeah, I'll take it. Um, first is Jamie from London, England. He says, hi guys. Oh, by the way, if you're listening and you want to send in your question, I should mention this, paidsearchpodcast.com. Click on the Contact Us link and send your question in. We're going to be doing these more often. Listeners have given us feedback on Patreon and told us, you know, we really like the Q&A. And um, so we're going to try and do it more often. So send your questions. Jamie from London, England says, Hi, guys. I'm thinking about doing device splitting campaigns. Uh, to get more data. So in other words, he's saying, I'm thinking about splitting my campaigns by device. That's what he's saying. Have you guys experimented doing this? First question. If yes, what are your thoughts? Second question. Have you got better results by doing so? Third question. P.S. Great show. Keep them podcasts coming. Thank you. God bless. Okay, Jason. Three questions. Boom. Well, for everyone out there, how you would do this, you would do like a campaign, I'm assuming. You can check me on this, Chris. Campaign named Commercial Roofs or Commercial Roofing or Roofing, whatever. And you put your, and then you call it desktop. And then you put mobile at negative 100% in the d devices. Uh, and then for a desktop, for a mobile campaign, you do one named mobile and you put desktop at negative 100%. I think I'm going to surprise you here, Chris. Yes, I do this all the time. What? And yeah. That yeah, is a surprise. I do it all the time, especially with new clients. I do it all the time. And it usually just leads to frustration. Okay. And there time consuming and, I'm, and a bunch of time wasted. And I don't think I get better results from doing it that early. Now, let me, let me word it a different way here. I definitely see a reason reasons to do this, and I definitely see the benefit you can get from this, but I kind of see it later on in a campaign's life. And I'm going to try to get away from this myself. I don't like the idea of doing it up front because you're just making double work for yourself. There's so much that goes into tweaking new campaigns, new keywords come in, you adjust your bids, negative keywords, testing out ad copy. Why do that to yourself early on just to see mobile versus desktop when, by the way, you can see it anyway on the device page as you gather data. So I guess in a second we can talk about why you would do it, but if you're going to do it, my, my advice just to myself is 
give it a few months, gather some data, let these campaigns mature. Probably don't do it up front. How do you how does that sit with you? Well, I'm going to I'm going to push back on Jamie and say this. I mean, what is more data? I mean, he says I'm thinking about doing device splitting campaigns to get more data. Show me somewhere where you've split the campaigns and you can get more data. You have definitely segmented the campaigns. You've broken them up, but there is no more data. There's no additional data. If you say, well, well, Chris, I could get search impression share, you know, by device. You can do that in a segmentation. No, you can segment that at the campaign level and get that you're information. You're right, you're right. That's true. You can segment by device type. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't, There, I'm, I'm going to say it doesn't exist. I'm going to say no such thing. So obviously my answer is, well, no. Okay, more data, is one, more data is one thing. People may look at the device page or the device page and they go, oh, I can't add these columns. I can't segment by things right here. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. You're tempted to kind of break things up to get more data, but you make a great point. Just use that segment button, campaign level, keyword level, ad level, ad group level, whatever you want to look at, segment by device, and it'll pop open the devices, and then you can look at your columns yep. by device. Yep. So more data, correct. You don't need – well. You don't get extra data. Let's put it that way. Here's why I could see someone saying more data, Chris. If you're running mobile and desktop, and by the way, we could talk about tablet and TV, or we cannot. So let's not. Yeah, let's. So not. let's talk about <laughs> d- let's talk about mobile and desktop, and call those the two devices. If you're in some kind of market or some kind of business where the searches are very heavy on desktop, or they're very heavy on mobile, that can eat up your budget. And you may not get the quantity of data you want on one of those devices as quickly as you want if you don't break them up. So I see it from that perspective. Um, That's the one kind of thing I could see doing it early on. Now, later, Chris, I think it's just all about control. It's about about controlling budgets and it's about controlling schedules to me. Um, If you're going to do mobile and, and desktop and different campaigns... And, and and one other thing is with, with ad copy. Um, there's a lot you can do with ad copy. There's a lot of extensions that go with mobile now. Okay. Uh, I think there's a lead form extension, the call extension. You can control. It's all about control. You can control your ad copy, mobile versus desktop. You can control your budget, mobile versus desktop. And you can control your schedule. A lot of people... Uh, maybe they're open to running desktop on weekends and nights where people are sitting at a desktop and they know they're actually there to do research and they may not want people on their phone because they want to discourage phone calls maybe uh, after hours and on weekends. So it's a control thing later on, but but I have very much frustrated myself doing it too often too early. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on more control. It wasn't worth it. I think think if Jamie would have said... I'm splitting devices out by campaign to get more control. Okay, I can understand that. If you have a real reason to do it and, you know, there's a a verifiable, you know, you need to do things for a specific purpose, the client wants it, or you you really think you see data behind what you're doing and you really think it'll make a difference in performance, okay, Mm -hmm. more control, not more data. I'm not behind anyone that's going to say, oh, I need to be able to see this. Uh Uh-uh, I can give you that data without breaking it up. Yeah, there's such a cost to breaking it up just to see the same data that you can get by segmenting. So that's a great tip, Chris. So next question comes from Prem from Toronto, 
Canada. Hey guys, love your show. Question about negative keywords. How would I exclude searches for paint? And that's in uh, quotations there, but show ads for painters. If I do an exact match negative keyword of paint with brackets around it, would that exclude painters as well? So he wants to show up on painters. He does not want to show up on searches that include paint. Mm. Okay. Well, Prim, I have good news for you. Google does not treat negative keywords in the same way that they treat keywords that are, let's call them, to help clarification, let's call them negative keywords and positive keywords. Negative keywords are not treated like positive keywords in that if you put the word painters in a phrase match for a positive keyword, you could show up for paint. You could, you know, show up for that search. Close variant. Close variant. Absolutely. Whether it's broad match, exact match, any of those matches nowadays in a post variant world, we are now going to be able to see paint as a potential search for a positive keyword. A negative keyword, we're still in a pre state of close variance. There is no such thing as close variant when it comes to negative keywords. If you want to exclude the word paint, put the word paint. If you want to exclude painter, put the word painter. If you want to exclude painters, plural, put the word painters. You you do not block any plural or variation or simile or anything like that that has to do with the keyword except for what the keyword is exactly. So if you put a broad match word paint, you will never show up for anything that includes the word paint, that is just the word paint. You'll never show up for anything that has the word paint, but it has painters. And you're saying you'll still show up for painters. You'll still show up for painters, painting. Even if you don't make it a negative exact or a negative phrase. Yeah, doesn't matter the match type. It, you will never go beyond those five letters. Paint means blocking paint. It does not mean blocking painters, painter, painting, or misspells. If someone types P-I-A-N-T, you will still show up for that, even though they misspelt it. That said, if you want to block searches that include paint, but that don't include painters, and you're worried that paint would block painters, even though Chris just told you it wouldn't, there is not a downside to adding in paint as a phrase match negative keyword. I've been known to be heavy on phrase match and exact or phrase match negative keywords myself. There's no downside. You will you will block all phrases that include the word paint. But then if you add it broad, you you will as well. But I like that I like that peace of mind, I should say, Chris. Sure, yeah. Um yeah. and so feel free to be adding uh phrase match negatives as well. We're going from England to Canada to India. My goodness, Jason. I mean, do, do people in the U.S. even listen to this show? Do they know how to type emails? Come on, guys. I love all the, the variation in people from different parts of the world, but a couple U.S. questions. Guys, I mean, do you just ha- you think you have all the answers? These guys, these guys have all great questions. All right, here we go. Uh, Amiya from India says, Hi, this is Amiya from India. Oh, thank you. I'm just... Just said that. I have started listening to you recently. You have made learning Google ads fun. Well, thank you. I have partnered with a few uh, other students to participate in Google ads grant online marketing challenge where students get to partner with NGOs and run real Google ads campaigns using Google's money, which is what a Google grant is. Yep. 
Yep. How does a newbie like me prepare for running Google search ads for an NGO in India or other countries? Thank you. So, oh boy. That sounds like a real, I'm not familiar with the Google, Google ads grant online marketing challenge, but uh, that's interesting. Uh, I could see that that's probably a, a pretty fast moving, tough market to get into because grants are difficult, which Jason will talk about in a second. And then, you know, second, you, you, you're up against other people who are going to try and you know, be creative about what they're doing as well. So, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Jason, what do you have to say? Well, I'll come up with this, uh, come to this question with a dose of humility. Um, I had a yes. fine, fine client come to me uh, recently uh, who wanted both uh, a regular campaign and then they also had a nonprofit that they work uh, with and they wanted, were interested in a Google grant campaign for that nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, okay, I host a paid search podcast. I, I interviewed Tim mm-hmm. on the Google grants episode. I know how to do Google grants. <laughs> And then we went through the sign-up <laughs> process together. Yeah. And about like four days into it, I was just like, and emails back and forth. I was like, wait a second. I don't do Google grants. I do Google ads campaigns, search, <laughs> remarketing, display, a yep. yep. little bit of YouTube. <laughs> and so I was like, actually, you know what? This is actually a lot different than I remembered. Haven't done in a while. This is not actually what I do. And uh, I'm not going to be a good fit. And I was able to recommend someone else who was. But I say that, Chris, because I really am trying more and more just in life in general to stick to things that I'm good at, stick to things that I actually uh, want to focus on. Okay. Well, and I really Google ads grants. I'm just totally looking at it as a different platform, a different thing. It is these days than a regular Google campaign, Google ads search campaign that I do remarking display YouTube as well. But that said, Chris, I do know the overall concept of it because of our great interview with Tim and I recommend everyone go to, I guess, YouTube and search for paid search podcast, Google ad grants, and you'll find it. Can't bid more than $2 or something like that. Yeah. And that's a big showstopper. Um, but what we learned on that episode is if you get certain, con- and this is, this is a secret I didn't know about. If you get certain conversion actions approved by Google, and then you start optimizing for those conversions through automated bidding, they will allow your bids to go higher than $2. That's how I understand it. I have not seen it in practice just because I don't do Google grants, but I would definitely keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, Jason's definitely right. I don't uh, I don't work in grants myself, but we had an excellent guest. I highly recommend because you can hear our brains exploding in that episode where Tim shared some stuff and uh, he, he's also, you know, he, he's still around. He's, he's in our patron group and... Uh, we appreciate uh, the knowledge bombs that he dropped on us. But the short answer is, uh, if I could have a difference between the two, let's imagine that uh, you know Google Ads is an engine. And in the normal Google Ads, non-grant Google Ads, uh, the gas that goes into the engine is your credit card, your money. You swipe it, it runs. Okay, In the Google Grant system, what makes it run is not money because the, everybody's starting on the same money level. And what makes it run is, you know, to get to get that bump beyond what everybody else is getting, what makes it run is getting that conversion data, getting that automated conversion system to give you the extra 
nitro boost to get past everyone else. That's really what makes the whole system run. So to get past that $2 bid cap. To be able to get outside the box and the restrictions, you need to have a solid conversion. So I, I, I hate to say it, but it seems like with grants, and I think we talked about this on the show a couple of years ago, it starts with a really good um, prospect, uh, you know, type of client that you're going to be working with, and they need to ha- need they need to have a good website. You can't go at this with a crap website where people aren't going to convert. You don't have a good you know hook to be able to get people to fill out something or move forward. You know, whatever you want them to do, you're going to have to have a good converting site. So if you want me on a good place to start. You're, you're going to be stubbing your toe over and over if you have a crappy site with, you know, poor conversion metrics and stuff like that, because you'll never be able to get past that initial $2 uh, bid limit. It's a very interesting concept because, um, and respect to people who do this uh, oh, yeah. very seriously, run Google Ad Grants campaigns, because there's a lot of hurdles you got to get through. You got to get through getting approved. You got to get through... Uh, the $2 bid cap with some kind of conversion optimization. You got to get your conversions approved. You got to have a good website. Oh, by the way, people have to be searching for something that's topical (laughs) to your nonprofit. Oh, by the way, once you do all that and you're able to run regular bids because you have that conversion thing in place, then you got to compete with other people who are bidding. So it's not like you're there alone. So, But then if you can get through all that, you're at the promised land because it's all fake money. And it doesn't cost anything. So it's a very interesting uh, situation over there. Chris, I want to share something with everyone from our website. We have brought back the Insider episodes. They're available for sale. You go to paidsearchpodcast.com. There's a banner on the right side of the page on desktop. And then in our menu, there's a button that says Insider. We have four pretty amazing long episodes that Chris and I recorded about the business of Google Ads. One episode would be how to get local PPC clients. Mm-hmm. And we talk about how we do that. So if that's what you're interested in, professionals out there, we recommend checking out those. And they each come with a little preview so you can see what those episodes are about. So, Chris, the next question, Nick from not the United States of America. Again. From Toronto. I know. I told you. <laughs> is, it an, is it a cultural thing? I we don't, don't like asking for help. Yeah, they don't. I, don't I think it is. Yeah. All these guys, they know. To ask, get some great answers from us, U.S. is like, oh, yeah, we're good. I don't know. Nick from Toronto. Should I be finding and eliminating duplicate or misplaced search terms? All caps. We all know that search terms are the actual searches people are making. So there may be duplicates in different ad groups with different keywords, making those keywords bid against each other. Don't think it works that way, but we'll talk about that. The same search term may come up twice across different ad groups and campaigns with different keywords, or a a search term may not be relevant to the ad group that the keyword belongs to. In these cases, should we be blocking the search terms that don't belong? And I'm assuming he means at the ad group level Mm -hmm. or at the campaign level. Probably if it comes in the wrong campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we see that the search term could be better served in another ad group. So we add it as a keyword there. So this is something that doesn't happen to me, but when you see a search term come in the wrong ad group, Mm -hmm. come in the wrong place, the wrong campaign, even 
what do you do? Do you add it somewhere else? Do you add negative ad gr- negative keywords at the ad group level, negative keywords at the campaign level? I'm getting I'm getting a little sick inside just thinking about this is a bad thing. The word in Spanish is mal when something's unwell, M-A-L, oh. mal. This is a mal situation. Mm. This is not good if this is happening, right, yep. Chris? Oh, yeah. Totally agree. Mal, mal. Yeah. Um, so, Nick, let's – okay, sit down because I got a bone to pick here because I am not going to directly answer your question because there is a – this is a symptom – to a larger problem that I'm going to point out, and I, I don't want you to get upset here, but the problem here is if you have things crossing over from campaign level or ad group level, and they are in the same geographic area, if you have different campaigns, then I assume you're talking about they're in the same geographic area, because if they're not in the same ge- geographic area, then they're not competing and you know it's not duplicates and this isn't a real question. So let's assume everything's competing in the same area, you have different campaigns, and you're seeing crossover between the same search term. Okay, first thing is, why did you create a different campaign if they're targeting the same type of search? And at this point, you know, going back to one of our first questions... Because I'm on one campaign with phrase match keywords and the other one with oh, exact. Oh, gosh. Well... Okay, I'm going I'm to... Uh, should, should I sit down too, Chris? <laughs> if, Nick did not ask that question, so I am not going to address that and get all upset and start yelling. You're not going to indulge <laughs> that silliness. No. Okay, so here's the, that, this is the symptom of a problem I think that's greater. The, pro, the problem that's causing this symptom is when you're deciding about choosing a certain ad group, you make a decision based on the theme. And let's go with roofers. Okay, now very simple and straightforward. Oof, 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 so you oof, have oof. roof. I say it the way I say it. I just talked to someone this week that said, "What the no, sh- no, Chris, don't, Chris, roofers? don't be, on, don't be defensive, don't be defensive." Uh, I just heard roofer, roofers, and I roofers say, "Is that how they?" It made me think roof, roof. Oh, okay. Well, say it I, again. I'm gonna just say, say it, it again. Roofer, just say it again. I'm gonna say roof, roofer. That's how I say it. Roof, woof, roofer, woof, roof, woof, woof. roof. Woof, woof, you want to cheat. <laughs> sit, doggy, sit. Woof, woof, woof. Okay. Great. One more time. Roof. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, we entertain ourselves. Ceiling structures. So, he has, and you have an ad group for roofers. Then you have a, an ad group for commercial roofers. Then you have, you know, flat roof uh, repair metal roofs metal roof repair you have all these different ad groups if you've structured uh, structured it in the way that i think is the best way to do things you're not going to have crossover because everything is going to fit in the appropriate ad group there won't be crossover unless someone types commercial flat roofing repair then they can go into one or the other, and it can go into either one. You don't need to have a combination of commercial and flat roofing and you know uh, all these other combinations. It can go into either one, whichever one matches. Now, that's my scenario that I'm in. I have themed these ad groups very differently, and they always filter, bam, 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 into appropriate ad groups based on the term, the core term that they searched. Now, Nick, if in your campaigns... The problem that you're going to come into is that if you don't do these and you start adding negative keywords to force the system to put certain keywords in and not compete, 
you're going to lose search traffic. You're going to have an ad group level keyword where they type flat commercial roof repair and it doesn't match to commercial because you don't have a high enough ad rank. And then flat has a negative keyword for commercial. Boom, you just lost that search. You're not going to get it. And you'll never know what you're missing because of the misstructure and misorganization uh, that you have in your campaign. So if you want to achieve a system where you don't have conflicting keywords and, and duplicate search terms showing up, theme your ad groups by type. Make sure that commercial goes with commercial, uh, flat goes with flat. Don't worry about things that are duplicates, uh, or excuse me, things that are compounding things. If you have flat and commercial, that's fine. It can go wherever it wants, but just make sure that each one's themed and you won't have this problem and it won't be a problem in the, in, in the future. Uh, Chris, I don't, I don't mind a, an ad group negative keyword. So you have Miami roofing companies and then a commercial ad group. So you have your Miami and your commercial, and then you start seeing commercial roofers, Miami in your Miami roofer regular, generic kind of ad group and not in the commercial one. I don't mind adding commercial to the Miami roofers ad group and kind of forcing the commercial traffic to go to the commercial ad group. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. But but that said, I don't mind it, but it, usually it's not a problem because if, if you're kind of bidding the same or even a little more for commercial and you have your keywords set up correctly, like where every search that comes into that commercial ad group has to include some kind of word like commercial, like for businesses, like for building buildings or whatever, then they should find their way, their way there. What, but they could come in the other one. So you had commercials in ad group negative to that one. I think where I'd be concerned is if I'm in the commercial ad group and then I start seeing searches come in that could be in my other ad group, like roofing companies in Miami that don't have that commercial aspect yep. to the search but they're yeah. showing up in my so-called commercial ad group to me that's a sign that whoa that there's something going on here i'm not controlling the traffic enough in my yeah something's too loose or sometimes it comes down to just i thought i was adding commercial roofing companies phrase match and my first phrase was i didn't hold down shift when i hit yep. the quotations button on my keyboard and i just have an apostrophe not a quotation, and they counted it as a broad keyword. So it's kind of a cue that you miss something or there could be an actual error there. But after you manage a campaign for a couple months and you refine the, the targeting and you, you get those few ad group negatives you need in there, then the traffic should flow pretty consistently. I think the one thing you were telling me before the show, Chris, that neither of us like is an ad group for commercial roofing companies as one ad group, and then another ad group for commercial roofers Miami. Oh, yeah. And say the yep. business is in Miami. Yep. And then you can get a lot of crossover there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And no, that's not what we're doing. We, we use themed ad groups. Both those searches mean the same thing. The, the ad and the landing page you take them to can be the same for both those searches. They should be in the same ad group, and you don't have to deal with that crossover. Yeah. So enough said on that one. All right, guys, we have a question from Nicole, who's going to ask, a, I think, a great question. I'm going to read it to you here in a second. But first, I want to remind you to go to opteo.com slash PSP2. I mean, every week I come up with something creative to say, 
And guys, I think that you're not going to understand unless you try it. I mean, it's a, it's a great tool. And I know that many of you have, and I, and we appreciate you guys doing it. And, uh, you know, Jason, if you remember, we used to do a four week Optio trial and now we do eight. So if you've held off this long, if you've just, you know, you don't think you really want to do it. You don't want to add the additional cost to your agency or your freelancer or something like that, or you're self-employed, uh, you know, you're, you're just running it for your own business. Uh, you don't want to add the extra cost. Now's the time because this is a, you know, twice as long as we've ever offered before. Great deal. Very affordable pricing if you decide to move forward with it. So opteo.com slash PSP2 to get an eight-week free trial. Just tell them you heard about them on the Paid Search Podcast and they'll hand it over. That's the deal. That's what they told us and they'll do it because they're good people. Nicole from, you ready? Los Angeles. We're back in the U.S. Boy, we went all around the world, visited some great places. Now we're back in Los Angeles. Of course, Los Angeles, I would say, is a little bit different world to me as a Texan. But um, I have a client who tracks many different actions as conversions. In reality, a conversion happens a few weeks after the person fills out a lead form. Looking at the data, I see an ad group that shows more leads won't necessarily have more actual conversions, though the numbers are pretty well correlated. Should I just track conversions or should I continue to track all leads because the information is easier to track? Additionally, for a few of those campaigns, we get uh, we, we use a target CPA bidding model. Is it more harmful to have a conversion metric that happens weeks later than to have lead forms, which are pretty much immediately tracked? So I, Nicole got some of the language mixed up. She would call a conversion a lead and a lead conversion sometimes. But basically, she's the question she's asking is, should I have less conversions because they're only tracking legit leads or should I have more conversions and they just track everything and I have a higher volume of conversions, but some of them are junk. I can't be sure until weeks after. Mm. And what's the answer, Chris? <laughs> no, yeah. it's your, you have to tackle it first before I give my thoughts. <laughs> you got to earn your keep on this show. <laughs> well, I just, I just love how uh, you were telling us before, tell me before the show that uh, uh, you have a way a way to do this. Yeah. So, I'll put you on the spotlight, Jason. What's wrong? <laughs> it's a tough. It is a tough what's question. What's wrong? <laughs> was, Are you questioning me? No, I'm sure you have a great answer. You, no, nothing's wrong. Nothing's. You always surprise me. Nothing's wrong at all. Um, I'm just thinking what I want to say here. Okay. Um, okay. Well, she's got some. She got situations. So. When you track just the lead form, the direct lead form, it's easy to track. When you track which one of those lead form submissions actually become a customer of the business, uh, that's more difficult to track. It is trackable, uh, but it's more difficult to track. The other downside, I was looking at this yesterday, depending on how long the sales cycle is, if it's multiple weeks before a lead form actually gets confirmed as a as a customer, that's say it's four weeks. That's four weeks of not feeding the target CPA system data. Mm. 
Mm. And so that's another downside. So it would be nice if there's a way to be able to track both and give each one different values and then run by value. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> no, I, no, you're on the right track. I totally agree. That's a great point. You you have an, a system that runs. I don't like that. I don't like that time delay, but yeah. I do like the accuracy. Oh yeah, yeah. The accuracy. the The fact that you know what your true ROAS is, and you know you got this click, and you can look back a you know three months for the past three months, you can look back and see exactly what your return on ad spend is and how much value you're getting. That's awesome. But the problem is exactly what you said. What about present time? What about today? What about right now? The system doesn't have data to know what's converting. So if you're using target CPA, like she says, you know, she's using. That's and, a, and Hank, let me, let me just jump in here, Chris, to defend all Google ads managers. We get leads through the forms. That's, that's what we do. Yep. And I understand the quality of the leads we get is to some extent going to influence what percent of those lead forms actually become signed up customers mm -hmm. with the business, mm -hmm. paying customers. However, that said, that's not, not the only thing that influences it. When we get you the lead through the lead form, the quality of the search and the person and demographics, all that, that does influence how many of those actually become customers. But you know what else does? How quickly the business followed up with them. How friendly they were when they followed up with them. Uh, what kind of day the person was having who followed up with them, the salesperson. Whether the salesperson followed up with them on the second call. Whether that business is offering a good price and value compared to other businesses. You know, you know, when things leave the Google Ads world, and then you're telling me to manage in the Google Ads world based on that information, I get a little defensive. That's a great I just point. had to throw that out there. Oh, guys. yeah. It's an excellent point. Yeah, because we have absolute control over quality until they leave and, and they land on the website or they fill out the form. I mean, that that's it. Then, yeah, we lose control. So my thought is this, Nicole. It's, it's best for you and best for the client. That's the solution that I want to give you. And my thought is this. Uh, track everything. Whether they eventually become a lead or a sale or whatever, a, a, you know, a valuable prospect for the client, track every bit of it. Every form is going to provide that information, assuming it's an actual action on the site. Do not track time on site. Do not track, you know, like someone who lands on the contact page. If you're tracking actual completed actions, filling out a form, you know, making a phone call, doing some kind of personal information uh, transaction there, whether it's a purchase or lead generation, whatever. As long as that's being tracked and that's, you know, you're getting that information, track every one of them. Then, since it appears, Nicole, that you your client has such a tight control of how many are closing, they know it down to the exact number, but it has to be a couple weeks, say, okay, client... Give me the number of closed Google ad sales you've gotten, how much revenue has come from those, and then they say, let's say it's 10, and you've provided 100, and you know how much you spent, and you know how much they spent, uh, how much they made, you can now work backwards and find out how much one lead Assuming that same ratio of closing continues, how much one lead is worth to them. So if one lead is worth, you know, or one one purchase is worth $100 and they close 10 of those and you sent them 100 
then make sure my math is right here, then each lead should be worth 10 bucks. You should be able to create a value for each of those. And then, you know, if they're not all the same, if they say, well, we sell item A and item B and there's different values. Now you need different conversion values for each one of those lead types and you can enter those separately. But that's the track you need to start going down. Um, the question is not, you know, should I... The value. Yeah, it, it, it's not about should I should I have less conversion data or more. The answer is definitely more, assuming it's all valid data. The, the question is, you know, which one's providing the the best value for the client, the return on ad spend. You've got to head towards return on ad spend, not cost per acquisition. Uh, that's, you know, obviously, as soon as you start tracking more conversions, the cost per acquisition is going to drop, right? It's going to get a whole lot better. So that's it. And the other thing, Chris, besides the, the value area to keep in mind is the including conversions, yes or no. You can include everything you want to include in conversions. And then as you get more data about who is actually becoming a customer and you feel like you have enough conversions from that category, if you're tracking both to go off of, you can remove the lead forms from showing up in the conversion column and influencing your conversion uh, track, your conversion bidding, but you can still gather that data. And there's other columns you can add that show you how many of those you're getting. And then you can kind of look at different campaigns, look at different keywords, look at different ads even, and say, hey, these ads are getting me tons and tons of lead forms, but not so many actual customers. What's wrong? This keyword's getting me a ton of customers for just a few lead forms. What's right? And you can kind of get some more, help you make some more decisions. Yeah, yeah, because, because in the end, you might find that a phone call gets them twice the return on ad spend than a lead form. You know, and you might realize, oh, wow, I need to really push for what gets the most phone calls. And you might find out the certain types of searches, certain times of day, certain days of the week, certain um, audiences matched with keywords, certain types of keywords. There's all kinds of routes you can go. And you might say, oh, that's the value for the client right there. So, guys. Good uh, good problem to have. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's too much information. There's a lot of people who are just struggling with tracking <laughs> just, the, the leads guys, and I can't, getting that conversion. How do I get up. conversions to work, right? Yeah, Nicole has a great problem. Volume of conversions. A lot of people double tracking conversions. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's a lot of conversion problems going on, and this is a good problem to have. It is, absolutely. Head of the game, ahead of the game. If you like what you hear here, um, we're about to jump into uh, to our Patreon. And Nicole... And those like Nicole, where you have clients, this is the show for you. Jason and I, you know, as we say, get naked on the internet and talk about what it's like. We answer questions about the business of Google Ads. And we have two. We have uh, one from Romania. That's not true. I totally looked at the wrong one. Thailand. We have one from Thailand, Bangkok. And we have another topic that we may discuss as well uh straight from our patreon group so join us there super cheap two bucks a month um and uh you can listen in but uh for the rest of you guys get out